CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey guys, guess what? Ben can't read what he wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> the only person in my life I've ever met. That can write stuff down and can't read it. Unbelievably great stuff. I'm like, I wrote it down. It's like, uh-oh. I can't read it. Oh, he's one of a kind, guys. One of a kind. Love a fan. Hey, now. Whoa, whoa. Oh. Let's save that song of the day, all right? And that wasn't going to be my song of the day, but as soon as you said that, one of a kind, love affair, one of the great songs of the 70s. The you greatest singing, decade of you all singing time. once is pushing it, all right? <laughs> Twice, two different songs? I don't know. All right, I'll just stick with that as my uh, song of the day. The Ben Jarofsky Show for Wednesday, February 26th. Is just moments away. Before we get into all this, we got to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9 are sponsors, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Unions, couldn't do it without you. Thanks. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by our good friends, at the Chicago Federation of Labor. All right, live streamers, you've been waiting long enough. Ben Jarowski, hit him with that song of the day. I bet some people just tune out after the song of the day. That's all I needed to hear. Done. <laughs> well, I was going to sing one song. Which song should I sing? The one I was going to sing or the one you put in my mind? Yeah, huh? feeling both going to sound bad, so just go. <laughs> one of a kind love affair is the kind of love that you read about in a fairy tale. Ba-dee-ba-dee-ba-da-boo. <laughs> oh, ba-dee-ba-dee-ba-da-boo. Had you ever heard that song? Never. You know that song? Never wow. in my life. Yeah, it's way before your time. Spinners, 1970s, greatest decade of all time. Millennials, hang tight. <laughs> the Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Wednesday, February 26th. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's our weekly visit with legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson. Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson is back. And it's Jackie Algie with Ikea Johnson of SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. And now your host. <laughs> That's so funny. Nothing. Just thinking about that song of the day. That's it's all. awful. <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this After the Fight Wednesday, and here's why. Great debate last night. I'm just putting it out there, folks. I love the debate. Okay. I know I'm, by the way, I know uh, I'm, there's a lot of people out there disagree with me. I checked in with some of my friends. They're still not watching it. They're like, <laughs> I'm too important to watch debates. Hey, McDumpkey. <laughs> Mick, I'm, I'm busy, okay? So, come on, Mick, you can watch a debate every now, nope, not gonna do it. Anyway, I watched, I've watched every single debate, D, all right? I'm like an expert on the debate. Last night was a go, I like when they mix it up, bada boom, bada boom, and uh, by the way, and I'm watching it, I watch it on my TV. Let me tell you something. I'm putting up with a lot of stuff. As you know, D, I live right next to the train, right? The train goes by. Every yeah. time the train goes by, if I'm watching regular TV, it screws it all up. It freezes the TV. Did you know that? <laughs> the got the funkiest TV in the world. My friends won't come over to watch games because we're watching the game. All of a sudden, it freezes. Well, what's going on, man? Yeah, all right. So anyway, uh, I'm watching this debate, but I found something out, D. This is something you may not have known that if I stand in front of the TV and raise uh, my hand in the air with a fork in it, I'm not telling, I'm just, you put a fork in the air, somehow or other, oh. it- Ben Franklin over here. <laughs> this is me watching the debate last night, standing in front of the TV. Go, come on, Bernie, get him out. All right, I'm gonna break it down, see. Hey man, I play, I'm working hard to watch this freaking debate. 
we'll be talking about the debate all day with our guests. A few thoughts, just random thoughts. I'm going to start with uh, Bernie. Let's just start with Bernie. Uh, man, you know, after uh, the Nevada caucus, when Bernie kind of mopped the floor with them, you knew they were coming after him. And boy, did they come up. They were like pounding him, man. Oh, my God. It's, it's kind of got me feeling bad for Bernie at times, you know, like <laughs> he was standing in the middle. So he, like he would be looking left, looking right. You would think that it was just utter catastrophe for the Democrat. I still have my some of my friends of the centrist persuasion are still calling me up. I can't believe Bernie is supporting saying nice things about Castro. It's so bizarre. I mean, this is just the politics. This is American politics. You know, Castro was a communist dictator. There's communist dictators all over the world, but some you're allowed to negotiate with and others you have to castigate. It's politics. Florida is to a large degree politically controlled or is strongly influenced by a very vibrant, get out the vote Cuban American community that despises Castro. So the politics of Castro in this country, you have to always be against Castro. Apparently, it's okay for Trump to make friends with Putin, who I want to point out was the head of the KGB at the, at the end of the communist reign, just pointing that out. But it's just the way politics goes in this country. So now Bernie's in the ropes because he said something nice about Cuba under Castro, and he's sticking to his guns on that one. And I'm like, I can hear, I just can imagine the advisors behind the scene in the Bernie campaign. I'm, I'm sure there's a faction who's saying, boss, you got to throw Castro under the bus here. We're getting clobbered on Castro. Nope, I'm not going to do it. That's my Bernie imitation. It's getting better. Is it really? Yeah. $27. Oh my God. Anyway, he's getting pounded. Bloomberg on the complete other side, uh, you know, of the ideological spectrum. <laughs> So funny he's in these things. Wait, time out. He did better in this debate than he did in the first debate, which is really saying nothing because the bar is so low because he was so bad in the first debate. And what Bloomberg doesn't seem to understand is just because he's a gazillionaire who's been the boss in every scene, like every room he's been in for the last 30 or so years, it doesn't work that way in the debate stage. So he's standing, you know, he stands there like he expects them just to you know, ask him the questions. You don't understand. You got to raise your hand. It's like third grade. You got to raise your hand or they won't talk. So Bloomberg's like, I could see it like his brain. It's like, oh, I have to raise my hand. I am a gazillionaire. I do not raise my hand. I'm buying ABC TV. Oh no, excuse me, it was CBS. I'm going to buy CBS right now. Finally, at the end, he started raising his hand a little. And he had this great line. I don't know if you uh, had this line. You, you know, these guys, they have their writers in the back room. They got guys like me in the back room. Writers, you know what I'm saying? Faceless writers in the back room coming up with great lines at the hip boss. Here's a great line for you. I got it. And some are better than others in delivering. Say what you will about Mayor Pete. And Dennis is a huge fan of Mayor Pete. Uh, <laughs> just teasing. Um, Mayor Pete is maybe really bad at winning black voters to his campaign, even though he comes from a city that's, what, 25% black. He may be really bad at that, which is kind of essential to winning the Democratic nomination. But he's really good, in my humble opinion, at delivering quips that have been pre-prepared. So last night, remember the one who was about the filibuster where uh, he was saying to Bernie, I, I can't deliver it nearly as good as Mayor Pete, but I got to give him credit. He did a great job where he said something like, oh, you want to have a revolution, but you can't even pass a rules change and then by the way did you notice like the crowd was very anti-bernie last night was yeah. that my imagination yeah, yeah. like who who determines who gets tickets hey bernie campaign can't you get your people in there and the other thing is i always thought debates were like high school graduations you ever been to a high school graduation day they always oh, say yeah. hold your applause to the end okay because it's not fair that some graduates like have a cheering section and then there's other graduates who don't have a cheering so you know like let's say you're little benny walking down the stage no one cheers for you but you're dr d and hey, you know so i just thought that's how debates were run so you're not supposed to cheer at all but last night man bloomberg had a cheering section mayor pete had a cheering section i think mean, tommy steyer had one Bernie's like, oh, they're groaning. You know, Elizabeth Warren, like when she made a couple of, uh, took a couple shots at Bloomberg, the kind of grunt moans from the crowd. How did Bloomberg get a cheering section and not Elizabeth Warren? Do you think it has something to do with the fact that he's a gazillionaire?
I'm just throwing that out there, D. Uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, uh, Mayor Pete got off that great line, which I have to give him credit. Uh, he got a great line off. But Bloomberg, the writers in the back, the Benny J's in the back room who come up with the great line said, hey, boss, here's a great line. You bomb the last debate. What we're going to do is say you're going to come up with a line that says, you know, I can't believe you guys are having would agree to have me back in the stage after the great job I did in the first uh, debate. And Bloomberg's like, yeah, man, that's a good line. Damn, you're good. I'm doubling your salary. That's just how I do it with D, by the way. He comes up with a good show. As soon as the show's over, D, your salary's doubled. Uh, it's happened like once. <laughs> Not doing so well these days. That was like in 2017. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I remember that. Oh, God, that was a great moment. Anyway, let's put that one, that memory to the side for the moment. Ruth Chris. <laughs> Ruth Chris. That's where we went. Yes, anyway. Anyway, so, um, uh, so Bloomberg got this great line. But unlike Mayor Pete, Bloomberg doesn't know how to deliver his line. So there's like this random moment. Well, you should watch more Obama videos like Mayor Pete. Yeah, did. Mayor Pete. Okay, we discussed this. Mayor Pete <laughs> Obamatron. Is, is to Obama. I said this before. Uh, the great Kobe Bryant studied Michael Jordan. And you could tell that he had mastered just when he broke into the league, he, he just emulated Jordan. I know this is sports and I'm losing my listeners who don't, you know, whatever. Yeah, make it quick. Make just, it quick, please. Just trust me when I tell you, oh, there's another sports thing coming, D. Uh-oh. There's going to be two in one. So Mayor Pete has done the same thing with Obama. He has studied Obama tapes. It's clear. It's obvious. He's mastering. He projects Obama. I'm Obama. And he's hoping that will win. And it's worked. A lot of baby boomers love him. I love him. Well, we got the video right here. I found the video. Uh, it, it does side-by-side -side Obama to Mayor Pete. We get to the person who got the most votes. Just a thought. Brings us because together. This, now, country this country was, was built. And it is a movement cools. reaching into church basements and barber and in our schools, and universities and, and with union our kids. halls. And if, if we can light up the neighborhoods and we can light up the city, shines as a beacon around the world once more. And this is our chance to answer that call. Okay, I, <laughs> you got to see it really. But yes, that's brilliant. Whoever put that together. Mayor Pete clearly studies Barack Obama. Nothing wrong with that. Barack Obama is one of the great politicians of our time. So if you want to be the best, you study the best, right, D? That's why, you know. That's uh, correct. Yeah, thank you very much. Anyway, so um, uh, anyways, where was my thought? Oh, Bloomberg. So Bloomberg's <laughs> trying to deliver that line. He doesn't know where to deliver it. So he just like randomly sticks it at some point where it doesn't belong. And everybody's looking. I'm like, what? <laughs> but you know what, Mike? I'm going to tell you this right now. It was, it's only your second debate. It was better than your first debate. I think the third one, you're going to get even better, right? They just keep working on your game. It's like shooting free throws. Keep working on that game. One, two, three, and release, okay? All right, that was uh, Bloomberg. Let's see, uh, what else? Rom! Rahm Emanuel had a great night last night. You're saying, wait, Ben, Mayor Rahm wasn't on the debate. No, that's true. Good point. But as we, he fed a lot of the lines to a lot of the uh, debaters that they used against Bernie. Now, I don't know if Rahm fed those lines or those other debates fed him to Rahm, but we did the riff on Rahm yesterday when he was on the George Stephanopoulos show this weekend, oh, right? Guys, if you haven't heard that, go download it. Yesterday's show, Rahm on ABC. <laughs> By the way, that, that was totally unscripted. Dennis said to me as I came to the studio, all right, we're going to do, I'm going to play some Rahm clips. <laughs> so he played the ROM clips. Man, I went off on those. Anyway, but I'm listening to the debate last night. I'm like, oh, my God, these guys are stealing ROM's lines. And then I go, wait a minute. I'm smart. You're not. Yeah. They probably fed the lines to ROM to begin with. <laughs> I had it wrong. I'm giving ROM all that credit for all these brilliant insights on the George Stephanopoulos show. And it turns out that he was fed those lines. All right, ROM, here's what you got to say. Blah, 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 blah. See, nobody comes up with their own material anymore, D. It's always some writer in the back room. Some guy like me, <laughs> typing. Keep him in the back room. He's not ready to be seen by the public yet. Anyway, so Rom had a great night. Uh, they stole all his lines, all that stuff about Bernie. Remember the remember Rom said you got to ask him about gun control. It's so funny coming from Rom, who told Eric Holder to shut up on gun control. I know, I know, on a tangent here, but it's just so interesting. Blast him on gun control. Don't do as I did. Do as I say. Anyway. What else? Joe Biden had a pretty good night, Dave, for Joe Biden. Again, the bar is low with Joe Biden. He's got that look he has. Joey B. Joey B's got that look, that focused look where he's like, he's like afraid that he's going to lose track of where they're going. And you know that look, that like kind of ghostly look that is in his eyes? Huh, where are we going here? It's kind of like me when we have millennials in the studio and they, they do their like millennial talk. Oh, it sounds like a roundabout way of calling this guy old. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, kind of. It happens a lot, folks. I'm in the studio, Dennis and a couple other millennials, and they're like doing millennial relating. Like, remember in the 90s? Like, I think, God, there was this TV show. And I'm like, oh, what? Not following that. What was the one where you guys didn't think I knew what? Uh, uh, DM. DM. Oh, ben, do you know what DM is? Mm -hmm. BM? No, DM. Oh, BM. <laughs> anyway, uh, Joe Biden. But he had that great line because he's like, he couldn't get, you know, they cut him off. The question, he would be raising his hand. They wouldn't call him. What do I got to do? Oh, dagnabbit. <laughs> no, he goes, it's his Catholic upbringing. I thought that was a good line, you know, because he's polite. You defer to authority. And uh, I thought that was a very clever line. Uh, Tommy Steyer and Amy Klobuchar's. At the risk of offending all our uh, Amy Klobuchar and Tommy Steyer fans out there and friends out there, guys, I don't know why your candidates are in this race with Bloomberg. I've said it before. If you're a centrist, why are you supporting anybody than Michael Bloomberg? The guy's got like a gazillion dollars, all right? Get out of the race, support him. Maybe, you know, if he's the nominee, he'll make you the vice president or appoint you to some position in the cabinet. Anyway, that's just me. I'm just saying it's centrist. Uh, finally, uh, Elizabeth Warren. I love Elizabeth Warren in these debates. These last two debates, she is coming out strong. I uh, compared her to Smokin' Joe Frazier last time we discussed this. That's, again, a 70s reference. You have to look it up. A great boxer in the 1970s, Joe Frazier out of uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And she just comes at it straight and hard. And you know, Dean, I have my ranking. I do, I ask almost all our guests, rank the president, you know, and then my lefties are, friends are always ducking that one. You know, they don't want to get, they only get to two. They, they, my lefty friends, I love my lefty friends, they'll go, well, Bernie, all right, Warren. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> uh, Bernie. Then they just start repeating. No, it doesn't work that way. You can't just literally repeat Bernie. Uh, so, you know, you got to come up with a third. So I always go, well, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Joe Biden, right? Joe Biden's my third. Yeah, Andrew Yang used to be my third. He dropped out of the race, so now it's Joey B. So uh, I, I got to tell you, D, Elizabeth Warren's knocking on that door. Hear that door knocking? She's knocking on that door. She's doing great in these debates. We got Brandon Johnson coming in. We're going to get his thoughts on that. Anyway, I say it's on to the South Carolina primary to Saturday, and then there'll be another debate after that. We're heading right into Super Tuesday. Man, I am fired up and i am fired up about today's show as well great show today monroe anderson will be in here he loves chris matthews ladies and gentlemen uh, we're gonna oh, <laughs> continue stop. that debate. i already talked to monroe before we came in monroe how's that chris matthews fan club coming coming okay yeah got that chris matthews tattoo oh, okay i'm scared <laughs> what do we do we gotta get rid of we gotta get rid of bernie oh, denmark <laughs> Chris Matthews, <laughs> somehow or other, Jim, uh, James Carvel or Jim Carvel, whatever he calls himself, can pull off, I'm the afraid of Bernie thing. <laughs> Poor Chris Matthews can't do it. Anyway, Monroe will be in. We'll be talking about the debate and Trump and Chris Matthews and a lot of good things. Brandon Johnson will be in the studio. Uh, Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson, big supporter of Elizabeth Warren. See what he has to say. He, Brandon's been campaigning in South Carolina for Elizabeth Warren, so uh, I'm sure he's excited about the debate. Uh, Jackie Alge and Akia Johnson will be here from SEIU talking union stuff, but you know, may have to ask them a question or two about the debate. No ducking and dodging, Jackie. No ducking and dodging, Akia. You're going to have to talk about the debate too. Plenty of political talk ahead, but before we do that, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, the man they call Dr. D with the news. Hello. <laughs> Livestream chat room. Last night's debate. If you could describe last night's debate in one word, what would it be and why? One word and why. Quite a few of you have weighed in. Feel free to weigh in, and we'll read your comments before we end this segment. Hey, Ben, what do you say we find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon? I think that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, me too. I didn't know you were going to go there. Ah, surprise, surprise. One-of-a-kind love affair. Oh, please stop. No public events scheduled for our Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker, but a recent endorsement from the big fella made the local headlines, and so begins an endorsement segment on the Ben Jarofsky Show. That's correct. <laughs> the following comes from Shia Campos in Illinois Politico. Governor J.B. Pritzker's political arm has donated $57,800 to 12th District State House candidate one Margaret Croak in her race against Jonathan Yoni Pizer. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, apparently he and his wife, MK Pritzker, have each donated uh, $5,800 to Croak as well. Mm. She's a leader in the State Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity, and I believe she has not come up one time on our program. Ben, what do we know about Margaret Croak? Okay, well, first of all, to answer your question, directly answer your question, I'm not going to be like the the people in the debate last night who just answer it whichever way they want. I'm going to answer your question. Well, thank God. <laughs> Margaret Croak was a, uh, she worked for Pritzker. She worked on his campaign and she worked uh, in state government for him. So she's clearly a, an ally and supporter of J.B. Pritzker and he's returning the favor. This is a very contentious race. This is like, how do I put this? There's certain seats that uh, are uh, how do I uh, how do I say this the right way? I want to say coveted. That's the word. They're coveted, and so you have long-term incumbents sitting in a seat. They're virtually unbeatable. There's a lot of people who would love to get the position, but they don't want to challenge the incumbent because they figure, well, they can't probably win. It'll alienate everybody that all the friends they have in common. So you just kind of bide your time. This is the way congressional elections generally work in the city of Chicago. Like for instance, Jan Schakowsky, she's the congresswoman from the 9th Congressional District. She'll probably be the congresswoman from the 9th Congressional District for as long as she wants a job, even though there's no shortage of uh, ambitious politicians in the 9th who are like, when's it going to be my turn? So in this particular district, the 12th Legislative District, which is on the lakefront, the North Lakefront, which for years represented by Sarah Feigenholz, okay, D. And uh, then Johnny Cullerton, your favorite state senator, uh, stepped down. I love him. As state senator. JC. JC, very funny with his imitations of Mayor Daley. Uh, in fact, you met him. I met John Cullerton. Yeah, yeah. He was in this very studio for uh -huh. the Franz Spielman show, and yeah. you met him. Funny guy. Yeah. Did he do his daily imitation? He did like some who's on first thing. I'm like, I don't know. He did who's on first? <laughs> no, he didn't. Who's on first? No, he's on second. No, he's on third. Anyway, uh, so Cullerton retired. Sarah Feigenholz uh, was elevated to replace him, right? She was a, a committeeman, got together, and they took Sarah Feigenholz, who was the state rep, made her the state senator. Now she's running uh, for that seat. And uh, they took Pizer, who was an aide to Mike Quigley, and they named him to fill Feigenholz's seat. So technically, he's the incumbent. Though you can't say he's running for re-election because he was never elected in the first place. Are you following that, Dave? It's a easier to understand if you take a hit or two off of that bond. <laughs> okay, we're not but smoking pot in here, Okay, guys. but there's no shortage of people who want the seat, including Margaret Croak. All right? Mm -hmm. So now you got Margaret Croak saying, hey, I want that seat. And Pizer saying, sorry, <laughs> I, I I am sitting in that seat. Uh, shout out to Bruce Bruce. He so keeps the battling. Uh, he keeps the long Bendrowski sh uh, show joke going. Yeah, but what high school did Margaret Croak go to? <laughs> Mark, I, you know what? I could make something up, but I don't play that way. So I do not know. Great. I don't know. I don't know if she where she's from, actually. Great question. Now, one thing I don't know if you mentioned it or not. Croak also was a uh, former government affairs uh, for Mayor Rahm Emanuel's office. I did not know that. Well, yeah, I worked for Rahm Emanuel. <laughs> I will not hold that against her. <laughs> she was the Illinois Regional Field Director to the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign ah. and the Director of Scheduling in Advance for Cook County Commissioner Bridget Gaynor. Oh, Bridget Gaynor. Good. You're a good friend. Yeah, Bridget Gaynor. Okay, so she's got a lot of party connections. But then again, so does Pizer. But Ooh. there's a twist. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, it may not really be that big of a deal. Like I said, Slow news day locally. All right. <laughs> oh, come on. This <laughs> but this does raise an interesting question. And that question is. It was just reported that our Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot, is also endorsing a candidate in the 12th District State House race. And no, it's not Croak. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. No, no. She's shining her light on Jonathan Pizer. Yeah. A longtime member of the Brad Lippitz group. And according to Ben Jarofsky, before today's show, a quote, well-connected lakefront liberal. <laughs> They're all well-connected lakefront liberals. The problem is there's only one seat. So, you know, it's like maybe they could create a second seat and they could both sit in it, but doesn't work that way. If you take a look at their list of endorsements, which, where did I see it? Was it Shia Capos who had the list? Shout out to Shia for a good job. Uh, the like Everybody's got a... The lake, everybody's got a friend on the lakefront. This one endorses that one. This one, Tom Tunney, the alderman is in there. Everybody has a like a friend. I endorse this one. I endorse that one. And with the Lightfoot endorsement for uh, for Pizer, came some money. I mean, it's no J.B. Pritzker cash. <laughs> Twenty five hundred dollars. Oh, 
Nice chunk of change. Wait, right? hold on. What did Pritzker give? Uh, like over like what fifty thousand dollars, fifty seven thousand. All right. So I'm I'm really you know I was not good at numbers as a kid. I struggle with it. I'm no damn biss. But I've learned. Okay. So for instance, with uh, Michael Bloomberg in the race, I learned the difference between fifty billion dollars and three billion dollars. I could look at the kind of money that Michael Bloomberg throws around as a with his fifty billion or sixty billion, and the amount of money that J.B. Pritzker throws around with his three billion. Now I'm learning the difference between a billionaire and a millionaire. Okay, J.B. Pritzker's a billionaire. I don't. I think Lori Lightfoot is close to a millionaire. If she's not a millionaire, she made good money being a corporate lawyer. So. JB gave 50 grand. <laughs> Lori gave 20. I'm not making fun of the 2,500. Okay, no, Dave? No, you should. It's more money you than should. I could kick in. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. But still, who would I rather be friends with? The guy who can give 50 or the woman who can give 2,500? Let me think about that, D. No, it's all principle. That's what matters. I leave it to JB Pritzker to just show up somebody, huh? I'm not a perfect person. <laughs> all right. So the governor's backing his former employee. The mayor is backing her well-connected lakefront liberal friend. Yes. <laughs> Will this cause tension between our two elected leaders? Eh, more than likely not. But Shia Campos posed the bigger question. And Ben Jarofsky, I'll throw it to you in uh -oh. a minute. Uh, is it uh -oh. wise for governors or mayors to get involved in contested primaries at all? Should they just stay out? Pritzker campaign spokesman Quentin Folks told Playbook, quote, the governor will not be making any contributions to anyone in the Illinois state legislature, House or Senate during the session. But supporting a challenger in a contested race is OK. Is there any advantage to it? I mean, if like J.B. Pritzker makes an endorsement in a contested race and then his candidate loses, then I guess you could say, oh, you look bad. So if you make no endorsement and you... You know, no one can blame you. You don't look bad. You get what I'm saying? So, yeah, there is this thing in Chicago. This is so Chicago. The all-powerful endorser. Yeah, when I get behind a candidate, that candidate wins because I'm, I'm the man. I'm the woman in the city of Chicago. That's that Chicago mentality that we have, like winners and losers. Uh, and you know what, D? I remember this one. Um, Part of the reason Tony Preckwinkle doesn't appreciate my sense of humor. One time, Tony Preckwinkle and I were in the Kenny Davis show many years ago, and this was coming after a, a particular, uh, I can't remember which primary it was, and I made a joke that the only person who did worse than I did on um, in my endorsements was Tony Preckwinkle. She gave me that look that said, that's not funny, and then she went on. But pretty much everybody <laughs> I ever supported lost. Uh, so, yeah, I, in Chicago, there's that mentality that if you support a loser, you're a loser, which is so typical. That's why we are losers in the city of Chicago. We have that mentality. So, no, I don't think there's anything wrong with senators or governors making endorsements. So if you lose, you lose. It's not the end of the world. And who cares what people say? They'll off. They'll forget it in the next news cycle anyway. More endorsements to discuss. We have a Cook County State's Attorney candidate endorsement to talk about. And surprise, no, it's not Kim Fox. And no. It's not Bill the Bro Conway. Did Jesse Smollett weigh in? It's an endorsement from the Fraternal Order of Police. And the endorsement is for Bob Fioretti. Ah, my old friend, Bob Fioretti. Former Second Ward Alderman, Bob Fioretti. The man my lefty friends love to throw under a bus. And then I always point out, when I needed assistance uh, uncovering all this, the dimensions of that scam we call TIFF, Bob Fioretti came through with some key documents. Maya always makes fun of me when I say that. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's true. Bob Fioretti did that for me. So I have a little warm spot in my heart. Plus he got Bobby Hall, this is a totally other story, to autograph a, uh, a picture of Bobby. Do you know who Bobby Hall is, D? Yes, I do. Really? Hockey player. Very good. And his son played for the St. Louis Blues. <laughs> that is excellent. Yeah! <laughs> I, met, I met Brett Hall at Target. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, there's a picture of Bobby Hull right outside our studio. Anyway, uh, I'm Bobby Hull was one of my heroes when I was a kid growing up, and so I always appreciate Bob for your ready for that. Uh, don't think, Bob, I'm going to be voting for you uh, in this primary, though, however. so But I will always appreciate uh, the fact that you got Bobby Hull to sign that picture for me. All right, we're going to you with the live stream chat now. Last night's debate, if you could describe it in one word, what would that word be and why? Ben Jarofsky, if you could describe the debate last night in one word, what would it be and why? Competitive. They were fighting. And uh, they went at it. That, that's, that's what I would say. Feisty. How about that? There's another word. Feisty. That's yeah. a good one. That's a good one. All right, let's see here. We're going to the live stream chat now. Pat Rod, his word, desperation. From everyone but Bernie. Yeah. 
That's a good ex- ex- That's excellent because they were desperate. <laughs> they feeling they're feeling the burn in a different way. If you get my my drift. Yeah, yeah. I think we do. I think we do. All right, let's see here. On to the live stream chat. Thank you very much, Pat Rod, for weighing in there. KMA Barry says chaos. Chaos was his word to describe the debate last night. That's, I, I agree with yeah, KMA Barry. Yeah. I know you were having a hard You were like, this is getting to be too much because they were just like yelling over each Everybody other. Everybody at one time. I couldn't take it. See, here's the thing. I don't. Once you've. The, 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 the conditions of the debate sort of lend themselves to chaos. For instance, let's say you ask a general question along the lines of what's your position on uh, health care? And while giving the answer, uh, candidate Dennis blasts candidate Ben. OK, so then under the rules of the debate, candidate Ben gets to respond because he was directly named. But the moderators, you could tell, want to move. They have the sense of being fair, making sure everybody gets more or less equal time. They want to move to candidate Monroe, right? But meanwhile, candidate Ben, wait a minute. You got to let me respond. And so that's where part of the chaos uh, starts, where uh, the candidate, speaking of Monroe, Monroe Anderson has entered the building. Monroe Anderson has entered the building, looking very dapper as always in that super cool hat. And uh, so that's where D... I think some of the chaos emerges, just the terms and the condition. So if you blast me in the debate before the question goes to Monroe, I want the opportunity to respond. And so that's then then Monroe will be like, what about me? I get a chance to talk. And that leads to chaos. Shout out to Kyle. Kyle says last night's debate was a great primer of what is fundamentally uh, fundamentally farcical in application, dysfunctional in process, and pointless in substance in our modern debate structure. Whoa, Whoa. Man. You're a good writer, pointless. Kyle. That is good. Kyle, you should get a job in the back rooms writing <laughs> quips for uh, Bloomberg. Pay you well for it. He'll just blow it when he delivers them. Oh, we played that audio earlier of uh, we played side-by-side Obama and uh, Mayor Pete. Jay Marie weighed in and said, wow, Pete, he's a thief. <laughs> Jay Marie, I, I prefer to say he is showing his respect and admiration for Barack Obama, who is a master. Again, I, I liken it to Kobe Bryant studying Michael Jordan. Throughout the 90s, many uh, young players were studying Michael Jordan. Clearly, Pete Buttigieg spends, he's like into the late hours watching clips of Barack Obama, emulating, just, just like bringing it into him, making him part of him. And he just then when he then he does his inner Obama when he comes out, and and he's he's hoping it works. But here's the funny thing: it has it's not working with black people. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> you but, notice that Monroe? Yeah, right, exactly. It's not working with black people. Right. right. But going back to Kobe, when they first played first game when he played it, he was 18. He played against Michael. Uh-huh. He was asking Michael for tips on the court yeah. while they were competing. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I was. And by the way, I saw that game. I remember that game. I remember uh, Jordan, Kobe leaning over and talking. All right, we're in a tangent with a tangent. Yeah. I love Kobe Bryant. That was part of his genius. He was unafraid to learn from people who were older than him. Yeah. He asked questions. Jordan talked about that at uh, at the memorial yeah, service. Yeah, right. Well, that's what I learned of. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Watching the, the memorial service. Memorial service. And uh, Mayor Pete is doing the same thing. Right. With Barack Obama. Exactly. And finally, Kyle's one word to describe last night's debate, which you can weigh in as well on the live stream chat. One word to describe last night's debate and why. We'll try and read them uh, throughout today's show. Kyle's word, pointless. (laughs) Kyle sounds a lot like McDumpkey. Anyway, uh, I love the debate, Kyle. I just got to say, man, maybe I'm a a glutton for punishment. So that's what's going on uh, locally. We'll keep you posted if any stories uh, become available uh, throughout today's show. Also, feel free to weigh in on the live stream chat follow us online at benny j show or on social media at benny j show b-e-n-n-y the letter j show on facebook and twitter you could send us an email if you like benny j show at gmail.com and also we were just talking about uh the local races it's primary season and my duke masva and ben Drosky have been bringing their lunch pail into the studio and recording several backroom deals, uh, wising everybody up on what they need to know about the primaries, uh, talking congressional races. Hell, they even talk about the water reclamation district gig. Yes, we do. By the way, 
And by the way, Ben's still not a candidate. I'm trying to get Ben to run for that, and he still won't do it. He but loves water. I love water. My God, you'd be perfect I for know. it. Uh, and a lot of other local races, things that you need. Like, who are the delegates? What The delegate system in Illinois is so damn confusing. Go check it out. The backroom deal. Find it at chicagoreader.com. Maya Dukmasova, Ben Jarofsky, they do a fantastic job. And you should go check that out. Go download them. We're going to be right back with Monroe Anderson. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U, E, L, P, I, A, N, I, S, T, dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. How did you go from sharing stories over the years to deciding to write a book? Good question, Mayor. Good question. Hey, commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Monroe Anderson in the studio, veteran Chicago journalist, legendary Chicago journalist, former spokesperson for Mayor Eugene Sawyer. Uh, every Wednesday he comes on our show, and people don't know this, he's the president of the Chris Matthews fan club. He's got a I Love Chris correct. <laughs> <laughs> tattoo. And, uh, right. Uh, like, he, uh, he, like, <laughs> like Dr. D is white lightning. <laughs> Uh, we'll talk about Chris. Monroe and I had a great Chris Matthews debate uh, last week, and since then Chris descended even lower, even lower. But you know what? I'm, he's so bad. I'm starting to feel sorry for him. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, Monroe, before he comes in the show, uh, uh, pre- he sort of promotes what he's going to say on the show on his Facebook page. And this one, oh my God, my Bernie Sanders lovers, everybody ain't gonna like this one. I'm I'm upset by it, uh, and I'm a Bernie guy. Everybody knows it, but I just this is Monroe on Facebook. Trump is Putin's Republican candidate of choice. Bernie is Putin's Democratic candidate of choice. Sanders is also the one Trump wants as the Democratic standard bearer. Uh, I agree with actually everything you just said there. What's going on here? If Sander win, Sanders win, will it be 1972 all over again with the Republican candidate winning 49 states? Or is this a new era where the times are a-changing, very good, Bob Dylan, with solid progressive policies about to be put into play? And are you, like me, afraid that our incompetent president will fail in preventing the coronavirus from spreading from sea to shining sea? See, on the Ben Jarofsky Show, we'll be talking about this. Um, got so much to unpack there, Monroe. The first thing is, I've um, uh, 1972, we'll get to this later, but just so our younger 
listeners, 1972, long before they were born, uh, uh, an election that is just permanently etched in the mind of geezers like me and Monroe and Jim Carvel and uh, and Chris Matthews and Bill Clinton and and even Rahm Emanuel. 1972, George McGovern was clobbered by President Nixon and the biggest, I think it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest landslide, maybe the FDR race of 36 was a bigger landslide. Anyway, uh, I would like to, and I would like to point out though, we'll take a deeper dive. I, uh, I'm probably going to write about this for the reader, Monroe, because despite the fact that McGovern oh, got clobbered in that election, yeah. the Democrats held on to the Congress Okay. Uh, They held on to the Congress, the House of Representatives. They lost a few seats, but they still held on and they gained seats in the Senate. Uh So I always make fun of the electorate, particularly the electorate in Chicago, which is really one of the dumbest electorates I've ever seen, you know. But having said that, they are capable of voting for a president of one party and then turning around and voting for a congressperson of a different party just pointing that out as a number one thing so in other words even if there even if there's a landslide no matter who the yeah person is at the top okay no, you so said, just pointing that out okay, okay let me make myself clear here. okay oh you and nixon okay. yeah, exactly. he's feeling his exactly. inner nixon. right <laughs> right let my make yeah, perfectly right. clear right <laughs> I, this is not anything I'm hoping for. This is something I fear. Mm-hmm. And it's make it, and as you know, I mean, I, I boldly went out on that limb that nobody else did in, in, in predicting that Trump w- w- would be impeached. Yes. Oh, may, you went may, beyond may, that. I think, <laughs> I think the limb you went out on said that Trump would no longer be president by the 4th of July of, was it 2019? or tw- I forget which 4th. Yeah, 2019, right? Uh, right? No, no I, I don't think I'm with that far. But. Oh, I think you did. <laughs> we'll Where's to, Joyce when we'll, I need we'll her? We'll have to find the yeah, tape. tape. okay. <laughs> call, <laughs> call them WCPT. <laughs> Tell them we need a tape. Yeah, sure, they'll take my calls. Right. Uh, take my calls about as soon as they so, okay, anyway, this is what I'm saying is mm-hmm. that this is my fear. Okay. And if that happens, yeah. then we will have four more years of Trump um, unleashed completely because he won't have to worry about getting reelected. He won't have to worry about being impeached again, although they could impeach him. Why not? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I disagree yeah, with right. that point. Well, no, because, well, <laughs> the problem is if, if he keeps the Senate, then it will be, it will be impeachment, uh, the sequel. Listen, here's the thing about Trump in a second term, and this is like a whole other conversation. Okay. Donald Trump is unhinged. Donald yes. Trump has no self-control. Right. Donald Trump is incapable of sticking to what he has to do. And so you know, as well as I do, yeah. that Donald Trump is going to do something that's impeachable. You oh, know that. Well, he, he's done it already no, since I mean, the last impeachment. Since the last impeachment. Right, exactly, he's so done it already. Yeah, so whoever's yeah. in charge of the Congress and the House or the Senate doesn't matter in terms of Donald Trump's behavior. He's right. gonna do something stupid right. and offensive. He's gonna do things between now and November. He's done things already between now and November. That are effectively impeachable acts. Exactly, exactly. So that's going to be possibly our saving grace. Well, okay, there's, uh, all right, look, so much can change in politics in the world between now and then. Right. But essentially, uh, the position that you've taken, and uh, is it James or Jim Carville? Is uh, it the, the, the James Carville? Okay, I always I get it wrong. Yeah. Uh, James, sorry, James. Yeah. Uh, the position that you've taken I, that I, he, I call him Carville. Okay, Carville. <laughs> Whatever. Carville, you, Rom have taken this position. Yes. What, by, and and a whole bunch of other people. And Chris I, Matthews. Yeah. Right. All right. right. Okay. And, and and everybody but the Bernie Bros. Yeah. By the way, what do they have fact. in common? Old geezers. <laughs> uh, okay. Just saying. Uh, they've taken this position that nothing has changed in the world since 1972, and that the exact same replay of 1972 will occur uh, in 2020 if Bernie Sanders, a left of center Democrat, socialist Democrat, is nominated as a Democratic standard bearer. That is the position uh, they've taken, and that's the position they're holding to. I have a friend, Mm -hmm. white woman. All right, how old? in her early 60s. A geezer, just like the rest of us. Go ahead. Okay. 
her husband uh-huh. is, is is um, a um, computer person, banking person. All right. He's middle of the road. Okay. <laughs> she says, if Bernie is on the ticket, it's no way that a Democrats going to get. I mean, that the Democrats will get his vote. It okay. just won't happen. So first of and, all, and and there are lots of people out there. And there's just, and it's just the problem on the other side too. And this is the part of the the equation that the Roms and the Carvels and uh, other geezers don't look at the Clintons. This is a Clinton strategy. And they don't look at the fact that for every middle of the road person that would say, I consider voting for Michael Bloomberg, yeah. but I cannot, I will vote for Trump over Bernie. Just think about that. Just think about what that. Oh, they won't vote at all. Okay, well then that's because, fine. Because Trump got a bunch of- uh, They won't vote in the presidential race. Yeah, but they will in vote the general. In, in the, no, but they will vote in the congressional race. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, it's no, like, maybe they will. Like maybe, may, may, yeah, or they may stay home. Uh, you, you know. Well, I mean, I, okay, I'll give you an example. Okay. I know somebody very close to me. I will not name names who could not uh, bring herself to choose to vote for either Lori Lightfoot or Tony Preckwinkle. Okay, okay? just yeah. couldn't do it. Yeah, but there was an automatic runoff on the ballot. Yeah, and so she went and voted in that automatic right. no, runoff. Right, that happens also. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that if you're a voter. And yeah. for some reason, you cannot stomach voting for Michael Bloomberg or Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump. You still have a whole ballot full of other races. So you should just go out. I remember I knew a lot of left. This is going to stun you. I knew lefties back in 1968, four years before McGovern, who could not bring themselves to vote for Hubert Horatio Humphrey on the grounds that he was supporting Johnson's war on Vietnam. Right. And so they did not vote for him. I even knew a lefty who voted for Nixon in that election because they could not vote for, essentially did not want to vote for President Johnson's uh, war in Vietnam. So sometimes the shoe's on the other foot. And guess who won in 68? The Republican won in 68, Nixon, in a large degree, because the Democrats nominated Hubert Humphrey uh, to you and, and I, I was there, you know. That's correct. You were getting, I, 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 I was getting beat. You like you're a millennial. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was I was beaten. I was the first journalist beaten by the Chicago police. That is correct. They knocked some sense into you then, but you've lost it since then. Point is, Monroe, it's it could go either way. Yeah. So, like your mainstream friend yeah. who you know could not vote for Bernie, but might vote for Bloomberg. There's people who will not vote for Bloomberg. Right. Right. This is. I know yeah, this. Yeah, right. No, I know that. Okay. So, what's your point? My point is, is that <laughs> we, either way you look at it, you lose. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're gonna. You, yeah, right. No, you run I, the risk of losing. See what you're telling me is we're gonna lose. <laughs> no, I'm saying that there's two different no, strategies. Okay, In okay. other words, the Clinton I know, strategy. I, I know what you're arguing, the, but okay, this is the fact so far. Bernie hasn't brought any new players to the table. It's the same old Bernie bros. Man, has a, who has <laughs> Bloomberg brought to the table? Well, I'm not. <laughs> I want Bloomberg's money, not not the candidate. By the way, I, we're I, open I, to Bloomberg's money too. Yeah, here right, at the right, show, right, I right, that exactly, one right, exactly, times. right. He's giving everybody money. Right. Notice he hasn't given us any money. Right. Yeah, yeah, uh, right, exactly. <laughs> so no, I want his money, but 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 Bloomberg I'm, wants your vote. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you this. I'm going to yes. put you on the hot spot. Okay. All right. Bloomberg or Biden? Who do you think is a better candidate for the Democratic Party? Biden. Bloomberg or Steyer? Who's a better candidate? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bloomberg. <laughs> Bloomberg or Klobuchar? Close. Let's flip a coin on that. See, I think that Bloomberg uh, brings a lot of negativity, to put it mildly, to the ticket. Now, I've, it's funny I'm arguing this because I've said if I was a centrist, I would go for Bloomberg, yeah. but I'm not a centrist. Right. I know how visceral the intensity of opposition to Michael Bloomberg is. Brandon Johnson has entered the studio, ladies and gentlemen. Brandon Johnson has entered the studio, and so he's hearing everything I'm saying. I know how intense the opposition is to Michael Bloomberg, and I know how how brilliantly this is the Brandon Johnson transition Elizabeth Warren has just cut him off the knees at yeah. two debates in a row yeah. Monroe and so 
any centrist out there, and I'm saying this even though I've said I would support Bloomberg if I was a centrist, any centrist out there who thinks Bloomberg's money can just buy away all this negativity is kidding him or herself. Yeah, you maybe will we'll know a week from today. That is correct. Yeah, with, we'll uh, know because it's, it's right now it's all theoretical. It's all theoretical. Yeah, You're absolutely but, right. But, we don't even know how South Carolina, he was in the debate for the South Carolina primary. He's not even on the ballot in right, South Carolina. Right, and so he didn't get um, invited to Reverend Al's um, breakfast this morning with the ministers. Oh, I admit, who, he didn't get invited? No, he was the only one who did, who was on the stage who didn't get invited. I didn't get invited either. Well, you weren't on the <laughs> stage either. Brandon Johnson, <laughs> did you get invited to that? Nope, he says no. For different reasons. Uh, for different reasons. <laughs> uh, all right, before uh, we take a break and bring Brandon on the show, what were you gonna say about Trump and the coronavirus? Okay. He doesn't know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. As usual, he's unfit to be president, and he's ignorant, and he's incompetent. So he doesn't know what we're doing. We're at risk of facing a pandemic, and he's in denial. He's upset because um, he says that the Democrats, we're blaming on the Democrats. Um, when you can't blame it on Obama or Hillary, you mm -hmm. just do a generic Democratic yeah. blame. But anyway, he says that the Democrats... Are, are talking about this um, virus coming here to hurt him and his election and hurt the stock market. They want the stock market, uh, to, this is almost Google, Rob, uh, Rube, Ger, Rube Goldberg, Goldberg yeah. in, in concept. The Democrats are pushing this idea that the epidemic, yeah. cor coronavirus, will be coming to America which is driving the stock market down. And with the stock market going down. Spanish then, insane. <laughs> right. Spanish seriously right, I know, I know. Then he will lose the election. So he say, he's saying that um, they got an airtight defense against the virus. They can keep the virus out of here. And so they got it under control. In the meantime, he was also said that they have um, – a cure for it. They've come up with some some cure for the virus, which they haven't done at all. He's com confusing the coronavirus and the Ebola virus because he does that. That's that's how Trump rolls. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, and the, and it and in the meantime, we because he he I think it was a year ago or so mm -hmm. he dismantled the um, the health organization. Okay. Operation that 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 does viruses. Let, having having heard what you just said, yes, I want to make appeal to your friend who's maybe listening, and even if he's not, I'm going to make an appeal to him. Your middle of the road friend. Yeah. That level of insanity that Monroe uh, just articulated, yeah. that is reigns within the brain of our president of the United States, cannot be tolerated. Even if you're afraid, middle of the road banker of what Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren may do in terms of regulation, even if you're afraid, you have to realize that the existential threat caused by the spread of a disease and the inability of our president to seriously address it right. and to view it as anything other than like a game in Twitter has got to make him completely, what is the word? He is not worthy of being our president. Right. He's, He's lost your vote. You cannot possibly fear whatever regulatory controls a Sanders or a Warren would put over your banking industry over like a, an epidemic. Right. I mean, right. see Monroe, the level. Okay, well, no, well this is the other right? thing because anything, since he's gotten into office, anything Obama, he's tried to kill. Yes, that's and, true. Right, and so there was this, this you know, and I'm, I'm terrible in medical things, but there was this, uh, Communicable diseases um, operation uh -huh. for pandemics and what have you yeah. that Obama had set up that he dismantled about a year ago. Yeah. So we don't even have a defense for this anymore because it was Obama thought we should have when the Ebola, Ebola virus happened. Obama called in all these specialists and set up this whole operation. So this is to, I say this to my, my Republican friends. My mainstream Democratic friends, my middle of the road friends, are you more upset about that 
the destruction of entities that are protecting us from these diseases? Or are you more upset about what Bernie has to say about Fidel Castro who died? I can't remember when he died. Do you follow what I'm saying? Are you more upset? Well, so, and and I, I have a different point of view on it. Um, those who would vote for Trump over Bernie, what you're telling me as a black man is that you're more comfortable with a white nationalist in the White House than you are with a socialist, a yeah. democratic socialist. That's pretty deep, isn't right? It? Right. No, that's you know that's a that, that's that's an eye opener. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, it's a choice: democratic socialist or white nationalist. Right. I'll go for the white nationalist. Yes. And by the way, they're going for the white nationalist anyway. You know, they're just using Bernie as an excuse. Right. <laughs> if anybody, it's like anybody who could look at what just you said, just just do it like a objective analysis of what you just said. Uh, Donald Trump's reaction to this threat to our country, okay? Yeah, Coronavirus right. is a threat to this country. Right. His reaction is to try to boil it down to a tweet right. that he could use to clobber Democrats with, yes. all right? Yes. That's his response. Right. How could any rational human being who's not a racist, right. who's not a white supremacist, right. respond by saying, I'm gonna vote for Donald Trump over a Democratic Socialist or over Elizabeth Warren? Right. Because they say it about Warren too. You know, I mean, I've well, heard it. it's whoever wins is they're going to say it about it. They'll figure out how to make Bloomberg a, a socialist. <laughs> it's all said and done. <laughs> say if he wins, he'll end up being a socialist. All right. Before we take a break and bring Brandon on, I have to ask you this leftover from last week. Last week, we had a great debate on this show between myself and Monroe over Chris Matthews. Monroe vigorously defended Chris <laughs> Matthews, said he loved him uh, the way I love the Bulls. Uh, since then, Chris Matthews has descended even lower, Monroe. Did you? Chris Matthews, uh, his his comments about linking somehow or other Bernie Sanders' victory in Nevada was he likened to the Nazi invasion of France yeah. at the start of World War II. I thought the man has lost his freaking mind. Well, I'd like to point out that Chris Matthews is not a boomer. He's older than a boomer. Is that yes. what you're trying to say? <laughs> what has that got to do with yes. anything? <laughs> I uh, so what is that? Is that a defense? I I will say this. No, but. he's a, he's 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 an old white man who thinks he's a liberal because he was um, against us being sitting at the back of the bus, and he liked Obama, so that makes him a liberal. Wow. I'm not even sure about the first part of the statement, okay? About the sitting at the back of the bus yeah, right, part of the right. statement. Well, I'm, I'm sure he didn't want the schools integrated. Yeah, but. you know, uh, I just want to point out that there was a, a contingent of the Democratic Party, and you know this better than I do, that said to Martin Luther King, go a little slower, Dr. King. You're pushing too hard, Dr. King. You know, yeah, it's bad that you got to sit at the back of the bus. Yeah, but Nina, Nina Simone made a song about it. That is correct. Mississippi got down. Please sing the song. No, 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 no. I don't want to lose all your listeners. Well, I I do it every day. Uh, All right, when I sing my songs, Monroe Anderson uh, in the studio. We'll drop the Chris Matthews conversation for the while. We'll take a break and bring on the great Brandon Johnson. He's just back from South Carolina where he's knocking on doors for Elizabeth Warren. He's going to give us the Elizabeth Warren line, talk about last night's debate and a lot of other things on our minds. We'll be right back with Brandon and Monroe. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. It's the butter cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right. It's made entirely out of butter. And, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. It's Chicagoland's adult entertainment playground. It's the world famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. 
The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater. Open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m. 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. Hey, live streamers, you can download this show. You know that, right? It's true. Just go to Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts, subscribe. You can get it any day. If you missed anything from the live stream, you can catch it on the download. Downloaders, we live stream this program. Yeah, it's true. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. Join said YouTube channel. And you can join the live stream chat. You ever thought to yourself, boy, I'd like to make fun of Ben Jarofsky. <laughs> well, you can join the YouTube live stream chat and make fun of Ben Jarofsky. That's correct. Oh, my God. It's so much fun, everybody. Or you can give him a compliment. But you can really make fun of him. Check out the Chicago Sun-Times on YouTube. Hour number two coming up next. Next.